Woo, what up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. Here we go. What would you do if a state came after you? Hmm. The whole entire state? Yep. The whole entire Thank you for listening. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business Business. (laughs) (laughs) See, we're getting right back to it, man. We're figuring it out. You know what? The whole internet lag thing is always weird, but in person, that sounds way better. I promise. For sure. <laughs> it's you a know what? It, at that point. Every, everybody else hearing it is going to, uh, they're going to get it. It's going to be fine. You know, we're all dealing with this COVID situation and, uh, you know, it'll it's work. All right. It'll work. It's not so bad. It's not so bad. James, Anywho, the intro. Hitting the intro. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our guest today has been a leader in the real estate industry where he built a multi-million dollar business as a real estate agent, eventually becoming the nation's number one real estate agent. During his career, he's spoken to and coached thousands of students and organizations nationwide. Nowadays, companies and CEOs hire this awesome guest for one of the following reasons, to turn around struggling businesses, to take an already successful business to the next level, to plan or execute an exit strategy, increase profitability and or sales, and to identify and overcome challenges in their current business model. If this sounds like you, you definitely want to tune in and listen today. Joining us from the Club Wealth coaching and consulting program please welcome to the show michael helixis we have some fun I, today I, I don't think you get the meaning of that meme i know i just thought like the music i like the music the music was great but like like mike is dead now no, no, no. Mike's not dead now. Mike's not dead now. <laughs> I just like the music. I love he's the music. Laughing. He's laughing. He's laughing. I'm glad you have a sense of humor, Michael. Forgive my bro. Forgive, like, forgive my business bro over here. <laughs> we're dancing. We're dancing. We're just dancing. Okay. All right. We're dancing. There are dancing. things in there that have coffins. You know? Oh, like, my goodness. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, man. This is... Uh, th- oh. This is... Okay, you need you need now the video from uh, the Princess Bride where he says, "I don't think you understand the meaning of that word." Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> we got to do that one, right? <laughs> oh man! Oh, All right, man. Michael, let's get to it, my friend. Welcome for to taking the show. The, yeah, thank you for taking the time to come on the show, and uh, let's kick it off, man. Let's let's start off with the with the nitty gritty, the hard stuff right off the bat. Uh, tell me how that passed. If they Google your name, stuff comes up that isn't always the most flattering thing to come up. Tell me a little bit about that situation. People love drama. People love the, 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 you know, the negativity and all this stuff. What they, what they don't realize. So in, in terms of, uh, the, the links that you're talking about in 2007, I caught the state of Washington department of real estate licensing, breaking a law. And I kind of have a thing against bullies, but I'm not a big fan of bullies. And so I did something about it. I took them to court 
and I beat them. I actually got a court order that said they had to quit breaking the law. And let me tell you, that was like poking a sleeping dragon. They did not like that at all. And so they that kicked off the battle between me and them. They started coming after me with guns blazing. Uh, I beat every time I went to court with them. And yet it cost me, by the time I spent about $356,000 fighting them, I, I, they kind of wore me down, I'll be honest with you. And uh, and eventually I decided it's time to sell my business. So that being said, uh, the, the actual issue is something that can affect anybody, whether you're a real estate agent, an insurance broker, uh, anybody in any business uh, could go through something very, very similar. You got to be very careful about do you want to be right or do you want to be rich? Uh, and you really got to pick one, right? Because you, can, you can't be both at the same time. And for me at the time, I chose being right over being rich. And it cost me four and a half million dollars. I'll tell you how it cost me four and a half million dollars. Right. Oh, well, and that was in then dollars. That was like at the click of a button. So what, what happened was in uh, I was I was doing a lot of business with banks all over the country. I was handling, you know, an enormous amount of, of bank owned properties as well as residential properties, real retail properties. And I happened to be down in Texas visiting some of my bank clients when the state came knocking on my door. Hey, we want to do an audit. We just want to see all your files. All right, no big deal, right? Like we, we've been through these before. There's really what they're looking for is trust fund violations. And we we just put all our, all our money in escrow so we didn't have to worry about that. So there's nothing for us to be concerned about. And so I, I said, well, hey, I'm, I'm not there. Can you just come back in two weeks uh, when I'll be back in the office? And they said, well, they didn't like that. They, they, they went away. They came back uh, the next day with a subpoena saying, oh, no, now we're going to get your files. I'm freaking out. So I call my attorney up and I said, hey, Doug what do I do about this? And he says, dude, just authorize me $1,500. I'll take them to court and I'll fix it. Okay. And he, you know, his contention was, look, these guys know it's against the law. We've talked about it before. Uh, so it's not a big deal. So he takes them to court the next day. And not only does he get a court order that says they can never do this to me ever again. He gets a court order that says they can't to any other real estate agents in the, or brokers in the entire state ever again. So he shuts Got down. victory dance. I got it right here. Yeah. <laughs> That's a victory right there. It was, it, it felt like a victory, but it had, it was this double edged sword, right? Because yeah, we won in the moment, but man, they just got pissed. Like they wanted to make an example of me at this point. They're like, you don't come after us. We come after you. This it's not supposed to work this way. And so they hired a full-time investigator the following week. I kid you not full-time private investigator who spent the next 17 and a half months trying to dig up dirt and trying to find ways that we were violating anything. So they contacted every buyer, seller, agent on the other end of the transaction, everybody that we'd ever done business with that they could find. And they would write complaints out on state letterhead and send it to these people and ask them to sign it. And we're talking thousands of people that they reached out to in 17 and a half months. Well, at the end of it all, they got 19 complaints. I'm sorry, 23 complaints back. 19 of them were from one of our competitors. So this broker had all of his agents sign us. He said, if you don't sign us, I'm going to make you leave. I'm going to fire you and you're going to get have to leave the office. One of the agents in that office was so upset by that that she actually left the office and came to work for our team. And <laughs> that's how we found out about it. Uh, and then the other four complaints were short sell sellers, right? So they're all sellers that had a house that was going into foreclosure. We did what's called a short sale for them, saved them from foreclosure. And uh, they were all, they had the same complaint. It was that we didn't get their deficiency waived. And for any real estate agent watching, you know that in a short sale, 
the agent doesn't have any control over whether or not the bank seeks a deficiency. That's up to the bank. Um, so literally, after all these t this time and all this effort, they had nothing, man. They had not a single legitimate complaint. Uh, and they even sent us a, a message at that point. They sent us a letter saying, yep, looks like we don't have any legitimate complaints. Looks like you're doing what you're supposed to do. So we're going to drop it. Well, that sounded like a victory. And then fast forward to 2010. In 2010, we find out they're violating that court order that says they're not supposed to do these audits anymore because it's a violation of your, your right against the illegal search and seizure. So my attorney says, now you got to take them to court to enforce that court order because if you don't, you're complicit and the court order goes away. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> really going after him. Going after him. Gotta yeah. have it, right? You gotta be able to do both and have some fun. I mean, but that's that's what the court is all about, right? You're over here trying to like really legitimate like make your name clear. Like, I did not do anything wrong. I'm not violating, I'm not hurting anybody. The people who did complain are usually competitor have been competitors or people that are in a short sale situation, they're going to complain about everything because it, it sucked. Their situation sucks. So what, what did you end up doing next? Well, so when they, when we found out they were violating the court order, we took them back to court. And I got to tell you, this was, this was the biggest mistake in my real estate career was taking them back to court because we knew they were breaking the law and we had to stop them from breaking the law. So, so we filed the, the motion to take them to court or whatever they call it. You know, we filed the lawsuit and uh, that week, that week, no warning, no, hey, we think you're doing this, this, and this wrong, nothing. That week, 5 o'clock on Friday night, they hit send on an email, suspending my real estate license and telling the, 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 the uh, multiple listing association to cancel our 750 listings. And Man, let me tell you, it, it was crazy. It took me 30 days. So I had, I had four and a half million pending commissions that day. Uh, 44 people on the team, all of it gone overnight. Took me 30 days to get the state in front of a judge. And when we did, the judge flipped out. I mean, this guy went after him. He said, you guys have violated his rights and all these. Go ahead. What happens to the transactions that are in escrow when when you, if the right? state holds your license or pen, what happens to all those transactions? They just go like pending? Do you have to move them? What What happens there? I wasn't legally allowed to even contact that point because again at that point i was not a licensed agent right so i was not allowed to contact our clients to let them know what was going on because if i did i'd be practicing real estate without a license dude let me tell you it was a mess and uh so long story short the judge said hey look you guys got to give this guy's license back and he forced him not only to give us our licenses back but he said they had violated our civil rights in three different ways and he says you can't go after him ever again. He says you gotta you gotta lay off uh, on on these things that you've been trying to go after him for. Well, long story short, how much money do you think we got in compensation from the state? What do you think Show we got? Me the money! I have no idea. What'd you guys end up uh, spending? We got zero. Nothing. They gave they us nothing. It they put all your all your transactions at risk you literally had no way of earning income you probably had a team and employees and won all the case and got nothing all of it, yes not I'm even saying. a 1200 dollars to hold you over for rent nothing not even nothing and so what's crazy is the judge even ruled that the state was grossly negligent and we still got nothing and so here's the and the reason is because they have express and implied immunity 
So essentially they are, they, they are untouchable. Uh, and so then now they really had to make a case. Now they really had to show the world that, you know, oh, you know, we come after you, you don't come after us. And so now they turned it up and they started coming after us for all kinds of bogus stuff. And we kept beating them. Every time we went to court, we beat them. Uh, but it didn't matter. I, you know, I looked at my wife one day and I said, man, we spent $356,000 fighting these guys. We beat them every time we went to court. I said, one of two things is going to happen. They're either just going to keep coming after us until we finally run out of money, or I'm going to have a heart attack and die. And that's not, that's not acceptable. See, now... Yo, which is what yeah. we don't want, which is what we don't want, right? <laughs> that's yeah. almost people. That's, that's the normal. I see people carrying the coffin there. That's exactly it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> anyway, so long story short, it just wasn't an acceptable option. So with her permission, I sold the company. And uh, and we retired, actually, for about three and a half years. Uh, and it was it was the wonderful three and a half years. But uh, I'm not a retirement kind of guy. Uh, I just, so what happened uh, next? Right. So, so you, you sell the company, obviously, um, based on the way you've described it, you had a system in place. So in other words, you've built a company that was sellable because there's a lot of real estate agents that build a self-employed, uh, referral based business. And when they try to get out, they realize there's no value to sell. So you sold your practice. Cool. You have some money. You kind of take some time off. What happens? So I came out of there with, with, we'll just, we'll just call it, let's just say I walked away with, you know, after taxes and everything, walked away with, you know, good, good numbers in the seven figures. Uh, so really, and, 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 and the ability to retire if I really wanted to, but man, I got to tell you, retirement sucks. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was fun spending time with the family and stuff, but it's no fun. Like I don't golf. And even if I did, how, who can golf that much? Right. <laughs> what are you going to do when you retire? Right. Like, so anyway, uh, I flipped some businesses and that was kind of fun, right? Bought a couple of companies and turned around, and sold them and, you know, built them up, sold them, made some money there and it was fun, but it wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't really why God put me on this planet. Uh, and so then I started getting calls from some of my old coaching clients from back when I was selling real estate. I was coaching some of the top agents in the country. Uh, one of them was Mike Bjorkman. Another was Jesse Zagorski. And these two guys, uh, amongst a couple others, called me up and said, hey, what are you doing, man? Like, get it together. You need to get back into coaching because we need you to come coach our teams and quit feeling freaking sorry for yourself and get back on the horse and get in here and help us grow our stock. I don't know. I I wasn't sure I wanted back into the real estate industry after what I've just been through. And and, uh, so I talked to my wife about it at length over a couple of weeks and we prayed a lot about it. And finally, we came to the conclusion that, man, you know what? I love coaching. I really love helping other people grow their business. And that was, I felt like that was why God put me on this planet. And so, uh, yeah, we did, we started club off back up. That was 2014. Uh, and from, it took us about two and a half years to go from brand new again to number one in the team and, and brokerage space. Uh, so now we're at 71 coaches. Uh, I've got thousands of people that are in our coaching system now and, uh, yeah, haven't looked back since. I love what I do. So that's it. That's a, that's a, that's quite a journey. Like it's almost like it was, it was fortuitous. You had to have a success rate Mm -hmm. in, in the real estate space to become a good coach. You had to go through trials and tribulations in order to have the scars to say, look, this is what I stepped in. This is what you can avoid. This is how, how I overcame it. Uh, and, and now you have this, this coaching program where it's not just theory, it's practice. 
right? Mm-hmm. And and so there's a lot of agents right now. We're we're in the midst of a major shift again. Something um, like in the 2008 time frame. Something where you're, you know, maybe we have some cities coming out of COVID right now and maybe starting to open up. But the effects on the economy, we're going to be seeing this for the next two, maybe three years. And we haven't really begun to feel the real hurt of what's happening yet. Yes, some families have lost jobs and people are in, are in dire financial situations. But to be to be 100% blunt and honest, most people don't have a savings for more than a month. So any hiccup would have hurt. This is just one yeah. of the ones that hurt at the same time. Yeah. So what I'm trying to really push on agents right now is, this is the time to retool, to start fine, sharpening that saw, to start getting yourself ready for a changing market. What kind of stuff is your coaching organization sharing with agents right now to help them get in a situation where when the market shifts, their business doesn't stop, they thrive? So let's start with this. The Japanese kanji for crisis is made up of two words, and that's chaos and opportunity. Right, or I'm sorry, danger and opportunity. So when you think about a crisis like we're going through right now, you guys all know who Shinzu is, Shinzu is right? Art of War. Mm-hmm. Shinzu, where there's chaos, there's opportunity. So many agents right now are so focused on the danger and not the opportunity that they're falling by the wayside. Their businesses have been hurt by this. I will tell you this, the agents that are focused on the opportunity in this, they're having their best months ever, both in terms of number of closed transactions as well as in terms of uh, number of of written transactions uh, or signed around transactions. And I gotta tell you, there is more opportunity right now. People are missing this. If, If anybody watching this isn't having their best month ever right now, you need to ask yourself why, because others are. And if the answer is you're not, well, guess what? You're missing the opportunity. You've got to find that opportunity right now because it's all around you while everybody else is. And look, don't get me wrong. We're very sympathetic and empathetic to the fact that there are people that have been hurt by this, both financially and physically health-wise. There's people dying. We get that. I, I totally understand that. And I don't want to sound insensitive. At the same time, I think it's up to the American people and really it's up to the humanity right all of us right now have to dig in and decide look i'm going to be productive we need everyone on this planet to get freaking productive right now find a way to get productive and as you do that you will automatically start finding the opportunities while everybody else is in the corner you know curled up in the fetal position boo-hooing oh my gosh the sky is falling and it's all falling apart and i don't know how i'm going to succeed i have to find a real job or whatever let me tell you that's not the answer. The answer is there's tons of ways you can be showing houses right now. There's tons of ways that you can be selling houses right now. There's tons of ways to list them, to help people buy them. If you're in the insurance business, there's tons of ways to, to take policies in place right now. Listen, there is so much that can be done right now, regardless of what industry you're in, to be successful, regardless of how shut down or on lockdown your market is. <laughs> there's tons of ways to be successful. Don't let any of that noise keep you from the success that's yours to get. And when you potential for aggressive expansion. So which of you fine gentlemen would like to join our team? <laughs> Dude, best freaking clip ever. You gotta send me that. I love that clip. <laughs> that is awesome. I'm serious. You gotta send me that clip. I'm gonna be personally offended if you don't send me that clip. That is super cool. Oh man, Joker's one of my favorite, one of my favorite ones. He's an agent of chaos. So you know oh, oh, raise, raise up that drawing back there behind you. Oh yeah, the the yeah, that guy. 
Heck yes. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Not only that, you pulled up Heath Ledger, man. Heath was the best Joker ever. He was, hands down, right? Yep. Well, I, I can't say that. Jack, they're, they're different Jokers, but Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger, they're, they're, they're two of a kind there. But Jack was the funniest, but but dude, I think I think that uh, Heath really pulled it off. Oh so, yeah, he but did. that being said, you talk, he talking in that in that clip, he's talking about rapid expansion. Let me tell you something. Before two, so in two thousand numbers, I want you guys to get your heads around these statistics right here. Grab a pen if you guys don't have a pen. Write this down. So in two th- from two thousand seven to two thousand eleven, that was the last major shift, right? And so from the peak of two thousand seven to the bottom of the market in two thousand eleven. We lost 20% of the transactions in real estate during that period of time. So the transaction count was down by 20%. What's interesting is during that same period of time, the agent count was down 26%. So all you had to do to not fail, all you had to do to succeed in this business was just not quit. Yeah, That's literally all you And for those people that, that said, I'm going to find the opportunity in the chaos, and not only did they not quit, but they went out and they figured out how to do short sales. They figured out how to do REO. They figured out how to reinvent themselves during that period of time. They had massive expansion. So in, in 2007, I was doing about four or 500 actions a year. We went from that to doing 120 to 180 transactions a month by mid to late 2008. That's literally in the period of just over a year, more all tripled our business in just over a year. What do you think it is that that agents? Why is it that they end up quitting? Why, you know, they always go out there and they they do they do or do not. There is no try, right? And that, <laughs> you're that's gonna say the they biggest, try, right? They try, they try, and then and then when something changes, when when it, it, when they look at an at a at a crisis and they think this is out of my control. There's nothing I can do now. There's no way I can survive this. And instead of being proactive, they're reactive and they let their, their licenses lapse. But when the economy shifts again, because it will, you know, it's going to go down. Well, it's fine. We're going to have an adjustment and then it comes up and then they all flood the gates. It's kind of like, you know, we don't sell houses in Christmas, right? Like we, Hmm. there's no business to be done during the holidays. Like there's always an excuse. Why not? What about the other side? Well, I think it's fight or flight, right? I think a lot of the people that we bring on, Mike included, there's people that are going to shut down and like there's there's some kind of a crisis and they don't know what to do and they go back to something that was more comfortable. Whereas the rest of us, the people that listen to our show, people that are that are listening right now, Mike, who's here with us today, Michael, sorry, do you go by Mike or Michael? But that's all right. All right. Well, anyway, we fight. I go by money i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> but we fight right we, we're not the type that's gonna just lay down and say oh yep didn't work that's it it's over uh failure is is not the end of the world for us we figure out a way to get up and keep moving it's not about how you fall bruce it's it's how many times you get back up right absolutely so so, so what do we do what do they do the, the first question that he asked was why? Why are why are these agents struggling? Why are they are they failing? And it comes down to one word, and that's fear. They give in to the fear, and you nailed it when you were saying, you know, hey, or instead of asking, thinking, you know, all the reasons why this work about why it work, and you know, the word try. Look, I'm I'm a Yoda. I love the quote, you know, do or do not, young Luke. There is no try. End of the day, 
I'll put somebody that tries over somebody that gives up all day long. Give me that guy that's willing to put it out there. Give me that guy that's willing to take the chance. Give me that woman who to say, you know, like Sarah, I, mean, I, use, I use her example all the time. She came to me. Here, you want to talk about how to succeed, follow this. This woman comes to me uh, several years ago. Uh, she says, I'm for coaching, but I'm afraid that I'm successful and I have the luxury of failure. I'm a newly single mom. I just got a divorce. I've got more kids and I've only got three hours a day that I can work because I'm, I'm, I've got to deal with these kids. So I've only got three hours a day. Can I be successful in three hours a day? And I said to her, I said, and, and I didn't realize the full extent of her situation at the time, but this is what I told her. I said, it depends on what you do during those three hours in the day. Mm-hmm. And I said, if you're willing to do whatever we tell you to do during those three hours a day, you'll be successful. If you don't, you won't. It's that simple. And unbeknownst to me, she was making a decision in her mind in that moment because she had to make a choice between signing up for and paying for coaching or paying her mortgage payment. And had I known that at the time, my advice to her likely would have been different um, because I'm not in the business of taking somebody's last dollar. But she clearly chose to sign up for coaching. I didn't think you had it in you. I'm your huckleberry. Yeah, I love these lines, man. They're just like laid up. Throwing them in there. <laughs> but I mean, that's me. By the way, no, my I I could go on about that movie. That's one of my favorite. I'm a movie guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, so far I think we've we've like very similar movies. Oh yeah. But, you know, but she took the risk. She she took a a risk on herself. And that's a much bigger difference than, than what a lot of other people do. They'll take a risk on, I'm going to buy this easy Britain product. I'm going to, I'm going to go and buy this shiny object. I'm going to go. And they're trying to, they're hoping that something kind of opens up the floodgates and miraculously their problems are going to be solved. She took a risk on herself. I'm going to develop my skills. I'm going to take a step forward. I am going to do this. I'm going to dedicate these three hours productive hours, dollar productive hours, and I'm going to make this thing happen. That's, That's you know, if you really sit down and, and, and followed somebody on their daily schedule and, and, you know, act like your wife or your significant other was watching you do what you quote unquote call work. And if that person who's sitting behind you that you care about says that is not work, it's probably something that you're doing anyways. It's something that's that's very leisure, something that maybe is busy, but not necessarily dollar productive. That's right. And you just nailed it. It's dollar productive activities, right? DPA. And so what Sarah did was she signed up for coaching and she followed her coach's advice. And she spent the majority of her time, 90% of her time on three activities. That's lead generation, lead follow-up, and lead conversion. of her three hours a day was spent on those three things. And let me tell you, she made six figures that year. So not only did she catch up on her mortgage, she built the team, she got very successful, and she's been very successful ever since. But again, it's focus, right? If you so if the the question is, how do we make sure that we're successful as this shift happens? Here's the answer: fix your habits. You want to be successful? Change your habits. It doesn't matter what your goals are. It doesn't matter what you commit to doing. It doesn't matter what you promise you're going to do, what you, how positive your attitude is or how, how wonderful the world is. None of that matters. One thing matters. Make the decision to change your habits and then do it. And when you change your habits, they will dictate your success. As an example, I could look at just about anybody's calendar for the last week 
And I can tell you, based on what you have on your schedule for last week, what you're going to make this year in income. It's not hard. And it all comes down to habits. Mm-hmm. So if, yeah, when you talk about dollar productive activities, <clears throat> how, many, how many hours of dollar productive activities, and we're talking again, fi- primarily lead generation, lead follow-up, lead conversion. How many hours of dollar productive activities do you think the average agent spends in their business each week? I'm going to go with like four, honestly. I don't think, I think they're, they stay busy. They don't stay productive. And I think there's, there's the, if you ask them, first of all, if they get offended, they're probably the biggest offender. Right. Uh, but, but honestly, honestly, it's, we do things that are, are not dollar productive. We do things like we work on our website or we work on our logo or we work on our brand or we do all these other things rather than the, that thing that you keep putting off that you don't want to do in your business is probably that thing that's going to be the most productive thing for you. The most, the thing that's going to bring you the revenue. It's, you know, picking up the phone, it's knocking on doors or nowadays sending video DMs, right? It's a matter of making that connection. And I'm going to, I'm going to throw one at you. I don't think that most agents have a lead generation problem. I think most agents have a lead follow-up problem. 100% true. You're hundred percent correct. And, and as evidence of that, you think about back in the day, you know, and I'm talking pre Zillow, pre realtor.com agents had a lead generation problem. Right. Mm-hmm. And so realtor.com and Zillow are born and they figure out, you know, agents suck at lead generation. So let's do it for them and we'll sell them back to them and then we'll make a bunch of money. And they did. And then they figured out after doing that and making all this money, they started to realize, Hey, the only thing real estate agents suck at worse than lead generation is lead follow-up. So why don't we create open, you know, why don't we create Op City and Zillow Concierge and we'll just do that for them too. And we'll charge them a bunch of money for that. And guess what? Agents were uber eager to pay for it because agents don't want to pick up the phone. They don't want to call people. They don't want to follow up with people. They want to just write a check and get a bigger check back. (laughs) Go to Vegas. Right? Yeah, you got better odds there. Well, I would say so. Well, and so that's the problem is, and people wonder, well, why is it harder and harder and harder for some agents to make money? And and why is there this downward pressure on the commission? Because agents as a rule, and I'm not saying every agent, but as a group, we as agents have gotten lazier and lazier and lazier about the things that we need to do that make us the most money. We're giving away the money making activities and and we're taking on the easy stuff that we could pay an administrative assistant 15 bucks an hour to do. Right? Totally. Hey, do you believe me? Are you sure? What? What? What ain't no country I ever heard of. They speak English and what? Man, <laughs> I love these clips, man. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just yeah, having too much fun with those. I'm, I'm going to be throwing these things all over the show these days, dude. It's so it's so much fun. Oh, but I mean, but that's that's the biggest issue with with the whole real estate game right now is we don't do that lead follow up, and oftentimes you don't even have to do the 700 calls. It's your, it's your simple circle of influence. The people that you talk to the most, the people that, you know, they're you know, Seth Godin calls them the sneezers, the idea virus people, the ones that are going to do the speaking for you, the ones that, you know, the, that lady at church that knows everything about everybody, whatever it is, you don't have to be the one con- contacting everybody to be, to have a productive life. You talk about putting up huge numbers and you talk about closing hundreds and thousands of transactions, but let's be perfectly honest. I live in San Diego, California, and a commission on one house is going to be about 10 grand. If you close one property a month, you're going to live a pretty good lifestyle. Mm-hmm. One, one a month. 
And, and, and don't get me wrong. We have lots of clients that do exactly that. We have lots of clients that are in that, you know, zero to 20 transactions a year range that just want to be there and just, you know, want to do one house a month. And even in San Diego, we got lots of clients down there that, you know, they even have house every other month. They're fine with it. I got to tell you though, that's not my wheelhouse, man. And that's not, I just, I'm just not wired that way. All right, we've got coaches that specialize in that. I just, that's not me. Our average clients in club wealth, and, and I don't care if you're in Southern California or in Podunk, you know, Topeka, Kansas or wherever, our average client does 200 transactions a year. That's average. Uh, our, our typical client, not somebody that's going to be happy just getting by. They want to crush it. They want to go out and light the sky on fire. They want to grow. They want to build a team. They want to they want to develop a business. And see, that's the difference between doing a transaction a month and really lighting the skies on fire. It's am I an entrepreneur or am I building a business? And, and I'll tell you, those entrepreneurs that are doing a transaction a month, it's great. You're right. They can make a great living and it's fine. Here's the deal, though. The second they stop working, they stop earning. Mm -hmm. The second they go on vacation, money stops rolling in. And by the way, when they're on vacation, they're married to their business. They got to handle all kinds of stuff when they're gone. That's not the kind of life I want for me or for anyone else. I want people to be able to have a great life. That's why teams are taking over this industry like crazy. You know, 20 years ago when I started building my team, nobody had even thought of teams at that point. It wasn't even a thing. Now, Oh my gosh, it is becoming the norm that people's entry point into this industry is to join a team. And it's smart, right? Because you can leverage everybody else on the team. You don't even have to be the team leader to be to be effective and efficient and 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 benefit from this being on a team. Uh, I, I've got team members all over the country. I've got one in Seattle who this year, uh, the first quarter of this year, they made well over $100,000 first quarter as a member of a team. And that's 100% profit to them. They don't have to pay any expenses on that. Like, what else do you want? And, right. And so then I got a call from him saying we don't have to worry about money no more. And I said, that's good. One less thing. <laughs> that's the whole point, right? If you're getting that into business, the that's the point, right? If you're going to have a W-2 job, if you're going to be have a self-employed business, then you're not after that agenda. That's what an entrepreneur does. That's what a real business owner does. That's what a real investor does is you're going after that. It's you, it's you want to get to the point where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. It's, it's waiting to get that call. basically simple, right? Well, you know, Robert Kiyosaki says, I, I think it says it very well, where he talks about the difference between a, a business owner and an entrepreneur is that an entrepreneur as with an employee trades time for dollars, a business owner and a true investor, they trade ideas for dollars, which would you mm. rather be? Yeah, hundred percent. Idea merchant all day long. Right? <laughs> Ideas and systems. Ideas and <laughs> systems. Right. <laughs> I trade <laughs> systems all day long. Michael, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I had a lot of fun getting to know you and uh, listening to you know everything from from all again all the trials, all the tribulations, and all the success. And again, again, helping agents out. Like I don't know how many times we're gonna have to drill it into their head. It's time for you to make a change. You have time, by the way. You're at home, right? You have more time now than ever before to retool and get ready to go. So no excuses going forward. I love it. You're right. 100%. Thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. We'll have to do this again sometime. Absolutely. And I will be sending you that clip. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot you that email and, uh, and send you that clip. But before we go, if anybody wants to get in touch with you and get help and maybe join Club Wealth, how do they do that? Uh, well, first of all, if you're on planet Earth today, you probably are on Facebook. So I would start by join our Facebook group, right? Go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash club wealth. 
uh, I would definitely get into the group. There's like 34,000 agents in the group. A lot of the top producers in the country are there. Um, and it's not a spam group, right? It's all great ideas, great feedback, and it's it's we're very protective of it. So join the group. Uh, and you can go to clubwealth.com. I'll tell you one of the things that I would do. I, I, I'll tell you that most agents right now, they need not, not just more leads, but they need more affordable lead sources. So go to clubwealth.com forward slash leads. And I'll give you 31 of our best 109 lead sources, clubwealth.com. Uh, and then just forward slash leads will take you right there. So check it out. Sweet. That's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing, right? It's, it's a matter of getting that additional knowledge that you need, but also having a place where you can look up to people who are at a higher level than you have reached a higher level of success who are there with their hand out, ready to give you a hand up if you're willing to put in the work. So thank you very much for, uh, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Ladies and gents, that's all we got for you guys today. Peace. Bye-bye. And we're out. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the Business Bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the Insurance Bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.